So soulmate, heart and soul, soul food, soul music, SOS, which is save our souls. Hey, soul sister. Uh, my soulmate, life and soul of the party, soul train, sell my soul, I'm a soul man. I pray the Lord my soul to take, put your heart and soul into it, soul survivors, bear my soul, not one living soul, confession is good for the soul, every living, don't tell a, God rest his, and my soul purpose, soul, 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 soul. So. An expert in the law came to Jesus and said, what should I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And his response was this. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Do this, and you will, what? So how many of you would like to live the life God has planned for you that goes on forever and ever? How many would like to do that? So then it just sounds to me like if we want that to happen, Jesus said that we've got to do this thing, to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And so we can repeat that. If you've been to church very long, going to any kind of religious gathering that has Jesus at the center of it, you've heard that and you've probably repeated it, but do we actually understand it? So the first part of that is really the center of where we are. It is the center of life. It's what makes us different than things. It is, it is that, that happening in the garden when God turns to Adam and Eve and says to them, you get to do anything you want here. It's just great. Except, he said, don't do that. He didn't say you can't do that or you won't do that, but don't do that. And he said don't because they had a choice. He didn't say you'll never be able to get there because I'm going to stop you. He said you have a choice. In the center of everything is the heart. And that really is our will. We get to choose. You decided that you'd come here this morning. You decided what you would wear. You decided if you'd stop and get something on the way to eat. You decided as you went into the election booth last Tuesday who you wanted your presidential candidate to be. You, might, you had the right to vote for the guy that's huge. And everyone else are losers. You had the right to feel the burn. You had the right to get another Clinton in the White House. You had the right to put it on cruise control. You could do whatever you wanted to do. You had the right to do that. You could even mess up your ballot if you wanted to. You could do that. That is the will. That is the center of all that happens. Influencing that will is the thing that we call the mind. The mind is what makes you conscious of what's happening right now. It is your feelings. It includes your thoughts. It involves your desires. Those desires usually flow in habitual form. Therefore, we have our pattern of thinking, and generally, the mind will at times have a collision with the, with the willpower. When your desire says, I would like to have a third piece of chocolate cake, and your will says, ah, I don't think so. When your mind says, go ahead, bet that the Browns will be in the playoffs this year. <laughs> and, your, and your mind says, yeah, I don't know. So then, following that, connected to the mind and the heart, and influencing this is the body. The body is your private kingdom. It is where 
Your will has the right to rule over your habits and your desires. And so the mind says, I desire this. And the will says, I'm gonna, we're going to do that and tells the body what to do. And so your body today said, we're going to wear shoes. And so guys, you bent over and your body tied your shoes. Your body will drive you to, the work, to your job tomorrow, to your place of employment. Your body will order your burrito at Mad Max. It just, it's just what happens. The body does that. If that is the case, then what good, what is left for the soul? I think it's really, really accurately described by Dallas Willard. The quote is in your notes, and it says this, What is running your life at any given time is your soul. Not external circumstances, not your thoughts, not your intentions, not even your feelings, but your soul. The soul is that aspect of your whole being that correlates, integrates, and enlivens everything going on in the various dimensions of yourself. The soul is the life center of human beings. The soul has been designed by God to integrate all of this. Your body, your facial expression, your, 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 your body movements, your actions, your body language, and your mind, your thoughts, your feelings, your, your desires, your values, your conscience, and then your heart. What are your intentions? It is the job of the soul to integrate all of that so that it all goes in one direction because if it doesn't, inside you are disintegrated. You do not have integrity. And so the soul says, we're heading this way. And Jesus says, this was all designed to head you in one direction. And that is to love God and to love the people that he's made. It is God's intention for the soul to integrate it all. The soul will get us to that place that God designed us to arrive and so for the next three weeks, we're going to focus on the soul and how it impacts our love for God, our love for family next week on Mother's Day, and then our love for the people around us, our community. The scriptures have a word for that love that we're heading toward, and that word is this, blessing. At any given time, right now, in an hour from now, Later on this evening, we are either blessing or cursing. There is no neutral ground. Either I bless or I curse. And that depends on the posture of the soul. And that includes even how I treat God. So King David, the one whose, whose kingdom stretched so far and had such impact, King David, the one who was, is, is very accustomed to giving out orders to other kingdoms and to his own people, and now he speaks and gives a directive to himself. And he says to himself, Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He says to his soul, I want you to take all of this, all that is within me, body, mind, and, and, and will, and I want you to direct it in one place. I want you to bring it to where it focuses on blessing the Lord, because our soul is made to do that. You that are baby boomers and older probably remember that song that starts like this, Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the world thy hands have made. And you get to the chorus, and it says this. Sing it with me. Then sings my... Wait, 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 wait. My what? My soul, my Savior, God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. That is a song that blesses God, and it says, then sings my what? My soul. See, the soul is made to be always 
existent before God. It is God aware. If you remove the soul which is God aware, what it leaves then is all that is within me that is only self-aware. Therefore, we have to choose if we're going to be self-seeking or soul-directed. Self-seeking is self-aware. It wants to rule. It wants to reason. It wants to feed itself for what it alone desires. Self is not God-focused. Notice we don't sing, then sings myself, my Savior God to thee, because self is not God-focused. Self doesn't want to bless. Self wants to rule. The soul blesses, the self demands. So God has this encounter with the people who created for himself. He has gone to them because of their own rebellion and their resistance against God and moving away from him, they have been taken captive and placed in a foreign country in a hostile land. God works it out so that he brings them back to their own land. And for a while, they bless him. And then they begin to dismiss him. They become materialistic, secularistic, smug, wrapped in a dead religion, divorce-prone, insensitive to the poor, with an attitude of dismissal toward God's love. They feel entitled. They feel deserving of the power, the prosperity, and the reputation they had previously had, and they demand it back. Give it back to us. When I'm talking to people who have kids in elementary school and they're talking about them moving up into middle school, I begin to warn them. I say, you know, just something really weird happens to your teenager that you need to be ready for. You see, when our, our, our first, our daughter was in, in, in elementary school, I was her hero. And I could do nothing wrong. And, and we loved her. Oh, we loved her. We gave her a great house to live. We gave her great clothes to wear. We, we gave her wonderful food to eat. We took her on wonderful vacations. We, we gave her opportunity for extracurricular activities. We paid for it. We, we, we taxied her around. We did all those things. We expressed our love over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then... Just on like one, one Thursday, she said to me, there's a, there's a sleepover on Friday and I want to go. And I said to her, and I, I looked, I said, no, you can't go. And at that moment, she turned into a banshee. <laughs> and her words to me, her words were these. She, she said, you are ruining my life. Because you can't go to the sleepover. You are ruining my life. I can't go back to school on the Monday again. And do you know that about every week at one point during that week, I ruined her life over and over again. And her words were these, you don't love me. You see, that, that is self-talk. That is not soul talk. Because sooner or later, she would come back and she'd say, I'm so sorry. And, and she'd apologize and, and, and then try to manipulate me. I understood what she was doing. <laughs> but but I, could, I, could, I could sense some soul talk coming back. And I understood the saying. They said that when your children hit middle school, you take them and put them in a barrel and you, you feed them through a knot hole. <laughs> and when they hitch high school, you just plug up the knot hole. Just, it's the deal. You don't love me. So God confronts his children, the ones that he had rescued, and, and this is what he says in the book of Malachi, and, and for the next three weeks, we're going to go through the book of Malachi, we're going to divide it in three segments. And this is the message the Lord gave to Israel through the prophet Malachi. I have always loved you, says the Lord, but you retort, really? Have you loved us? You're saying, do you love me? You don't think you love me. And this is self-talk. This is not soul talk. 
Because self says, you owe me. Soul says, I want to bless you. So the question is this, if we are to bless God, how do we do that? It's got to be more than, I bless you, 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 I bless you. Because if I just say to Pam every day, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you, well, what? What are you going to do to bless me? So what does it mean to bless God? What can I give to God that would make him better? What can I give to God that would make him more complete? I I can't see God saying, oh, I'm sure glad you did that because now I'm a much fuller deity. I'm just a much better God because of what you've done. Because God is complete in himself. He's he's the inexhaustible blesser. What can I give to him that would bless him? And it's not what I could give him to make him better. It's just simply what he desires. So let me give you a, a couple focus focuses this morning to, 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 to deal with how to bless God. Blessing God means this, number one, that we need to rehearse gratefully. So God responds to, to his, his children after they say, well, you didn't love us. We don't. And he says this, oh, let, me, let me just help you out with this. I have watched over you all these years. Oh, oh Jacob, he says, Jacob is their, is their name because they came from Jacob, and it's really the name Israel. And I have protected you from Esau, which was Jacob's brother, representing the nation of Edom is what it would become. And because Edom has always tried to steal my blessings from you, and I have protected you even when you didn't see it. You see, Esau, in his early years, didn't really understand his birthright of blessing, and so he sold it cheaply to his brother, and his brother got the blessing, which then made Esau livid. And from there, because God wouldn't help out, Esau became a God-hater. He became a birthright despiser, a hater of all things holy, and eventually from him would come the Herods, those who felt it was their destiny to destroy the Christ and the church. They were bad people. But God said, have you not noticed all the things that I've been doing for you? I have not loved you. Have you seen how I've loved you? That's why he said this in Malachi 1.5, you will see it with your own eyes and say, great is the Lord even beyond the borders of Israel. He said, even beyond your myopic view, You think that you have lost so much. You think that God has not come to you in time. And if you would look around you and begin to count it off, you would see all the things that he has been doing and protecting you, even outside your borders. He's been watching over you because he said, I will never leave you, because he says, I love you. He says, can a mother forget the child she is nursing? No, and I have not forgotten you, but you don't recognize it because you won't look. King David knew that, so he says this. He not only says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He says this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Soul, rehearse the benefits. What has he done? And then David lists them. Let me just give you some of those that just start what David lists. Forgiveness. Wow. I could just stop there. How many of you have ever messed up in life and didn't deserve to be forgiven? And yet he said, as far as the east is from the west, which means they can't meet, I've taken your sins from you. Forgiveness, healing, redemption. Redemption's a name that means to redeem or deem over again, which means when you felt you had no value, he deemed you as valuable once again. Unwavering love. The word is steadfast love, and it means that it has no vanishing point. Mercy, energy renewal, righteousness, and that's just the beginning of the list. I've I've discovered that when we feel that God has forgotten us, it's generally because I have forgotten to bless him, because he didn't forget us. I just forgot to look around and see what he's done and begin to give him thanks. Because you see, God wants us to not only seek him, but to find him. To look around and see where he is. Look what he's doing there, there he is. Look what he's doing there, there he is. And there he is again, and there he is again. He just fills my life with who he is and how he blesses me, and I should be able to recall those and begin to list them and begin to state them. 
So Pam and I have begun now, in this last couple of weeks, moving toward our anniversary. And for us, it's a, it's a big anniversary. It's our 40th, and, and so we're moving that direction. So we're, yeah. Thanks. It's all her. So we're, we're moving toward the 40th anniversary, and, and, and so she was, which is amazing that it's 40 since we're both only age 50, and so that's, that's a great thing. From, from the moment I met Pam, sitting outside the student union in college, she walked by, fresh from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I saw her. She gave me butterflies that just, it, they just fluttered, and, and, and I, I said, I got I to gotta, I gotta get to know her. And so we, we actually were in a band together, and we traveled in parts of the United States as part of that band, and, and, but she was dating another guy for two years, but I still hung close because I said, I, I got to have this girl. You say, but she was dating someone. Hey, no marriage, Pfft, wide open field, here we go. <laughs> I know what God wants. So, in fact, I became her confidant. She would counsel me about her, <laughs> she counseled me about her dating life. Bad idea. <laughs> that guy stinks. You should break up with him. <laughs> he stinks worse. You need, it's getting bad. You need to, you, that's going to be hell on earth for you. You've got to get rid of him. And she did, and that night we went out. <laughs> so, so there, there was this, this, this drive in me that, that I just had to be with her. And so, as we approached this 40th anniversary this, this week, uh, she sent me the, a, a text, and it had, she found some pictures, and she threw these pictures on my text. You guys got it up there? There we are. Yeah, aw. Some of you say, did you actually wear that tux? I did. I did. <laughs> Big butterfly bow tie, velvet thing, and, and you can't see it, but I had platform shoes on. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I did. So, yeah, love the hair. I had hair, so. So, and, and she wrote the words with that, I love being married to you. Oh, that's so great. So during the day, I, I pulled up the picture and, and stretched it out on my camera. It's actually on my, my screensaver on my phone. And, and I just was looking at her, and I, and I wrote her a text back, and I said, just looked at your bride picture, and it confirms that for 40 years, your beauty has never failed to turn me on. <laughs> I think that's cool. So, and some of you, some of your old folks, did he just say, turn me on? Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, that happens, I'm telling you. Read, read the Song of Solomon, it's just all about turn-ons, I'm telling you. <laughs> So, later, we were together, and, and she looked at me, and she said, I cannot tell you how much that meant to me. And I wanted to know, I'm still after you. Do you think that God wants to hear that? Do you think he wants to hear us? Because he put it in us, he's saying to us, he wants us to, to say to him, after all these years, as I've watched and as I've seen your beauty in action, I just want you to know that you still stir me up. You still, you still attract me. I'm still after you. You say, oh, does God really care about that? Well, listen to what he says to the children of Israel. Isn't it true that a son honors his father and a worker his master? They honor him. And so I'm your father. Where's the honor? If I'm your master, where's the respect? The words honor and respect come from the same root word, which means the weight. Where's the weightiness of the relationship? It means this. Where are your words about what I mean to you? Where are my words about how you feel about me? Where are my words of honor and respect that you're still after me? And if you have them, he's saying, say them. Speak them. Tell me about them, but he knows everything. But unless they come off your lips, they don't count. I, I, I can just tell Pam, hey, I told you I loved you when we got married. I'll, if it changes, I'll let you know. She's not going to go for that. I've got to say, I still love you. I, you, st you still give me butterflies. I'm still after you. I'm just still, I'm just still crazy about you. It makes a difference. 
So David knows that, and he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Come on, soul, get with it. And forget not his benefits. Tell him what they are. God also wants them to know this, and he says this to them, verses 6 through 8. You priests despise me, and you say, not so. How do we despise you? And now listen, by your shoddy, sloppy, defiling worship, and you ask, what do you mean, defiling? What's defiling about it? And when you say the altar of God is not important anymore and worship of God is no longer priority, that's defiling. To bless God is also to worship enthusiastically. So I got a really weird question for you this morning. How did you prepare for worship? You say, wait, 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 wait. Worship, worship is living life, dude. It's just, it's just like everything. I understand that. But in the middle of all that, the scripture makes it very clear that worship is also gathering as community and lifting our voices together as one to declare who he is in community as we do life together. It means what we're doing this morning, corporate expressions of worship. That we say to him, we recognize you are holy. That word holy means other. This is God and everything else is here. That he is so much other that you can't even compare. That's why Jesus said, when you love this other, it makes the love over here look like hate because this love is so great. It is so holy so that when you come to worship me, your worship must be so other that it can't be it can't be interpreted as something else. It has to be set aside for him specifically. It is better than your Rotary Club meeting and cannot compare to it. It is better than your world history lecture at, at, at Barron. It's, it's, it's different. It's something totally different. It's better and it's different than a Coldplay concert. It is different because this is the Holy One who doesn't, who doesn't even get close to what these things are because he is so great. And you have got to set aside what you are doing for him to say, it is that much value to me that I set it aside as holy. Because it matters to him. He said, I, you, you can't make it profane. You can't make it secular. You can't make it just one of the things on your list on Sunday morning. You, it's not the thing you do between Dunkin' Donuts and the Outback. Because I watch and I see your heart and, and how have you approached me? So, so I, I'm gonna ask you practically, did you prepare your words for him this morning? Well, what do you mean to prepare words? What you're going to say to him? Because this is a corporate gathering. I did. This thing that, that I'm giving you right now, you say, well, that's your sermon. That's for us. Well, it may be for you, but it's to honor him. And I'm more concerned about what he thinks about it than what you think about it. And, and so I'm asking you, did you prepare your words? Did, did you this week study how they've described him so that you could show up here and say, this is who you are? Because we give you time during prayers and, and at times during worship to begin to speak those things out. And are you ready? Are you prepared to say, I just want to say that you're my shepherd. And because of you, I shall not want. You make me lie down, restful in green pastures, and you lead me beside quiet waters. And you restore me today. You restore me. Thank you for restoring me. And you lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. I get in the right places and though I walk through really tough moments, the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. Oh, look at you are with me. You will never leave me or forsake me. You are the faithful one. Did you come with words? If I asked you to come to, to a, a really important meeting and I wanted you to make a speech, most of you would prepare words. If you're going to meet the President of the United States, would you prepare some words? You're about to meet the Lord. Did you prepare your words? Did you study them this week? Did you, did you think about it? Did you mull them over? Did you say them to him during the week? Because he wants to hear them. Did you carve out sacred time to honor him? Did you set this as priority time and you do it every week? Because I believe that life is in cycles of, of seven days, the way he described it. And in, in those seven days, there's got to be a moment where we say this is sacred time and only for you and not something on the bottom of the list or something that happens if I don't go play golf. Because it's him. Does it, really, does it really matter to him? It matters big time to him. 
If there's anything the temple system should teach us, that when the Messiah would come, we are to give him our best. That's what the temple showed us. That's why, that's why God said to these people in, the, in Malachi, he said, don't bring me a blind lamb, don't bring me a leftover gift, and don't come with the attitude of what a boring thing this is, I can't wait till it's over so I can do the stupid things I want to do. See, this gathering this morning is to bless God by giving him our best. Our best focus. I'm focused on him. My, my best thoughts. So that I, and I don't blame you if you got your phones out and you're, and you're texting stuff. If it's focused on Jesus, because that's why we're here. My best abilities, my best time, my best energy. So if you show up here on Sunday and you keep falling asleep, I'm trying my best not to make it boring. So why don't you try your best to go to bed at a decent hour and come here and worship him with your best strength, with your best thinking, willing that you're supposed to be here. You say, boy, he's getting hot today. You bet I am. Someone's asleep next to you, just tell them what I said, okay? All right. These priests he's talking to made their living by handling the holy, and when they show up, he said, you're bringing contemptuous things with you. You're bringing ugly things with you. You're, you are bringing things that are, that are not sacred to me at all, and you are offending me. And you're showing up saying, all right, let's hurry up and get this done because I have private things to do. They actually were saying that. You say, wait a minute, would God really be offended if the worship's not right? Yeah, in fact, he says this. He said, I would rather close down the temple than have you bring me pretend worship. Don't, don't even open the doors of the church if you're not coming with genuine expressions of blessing me. You've came to honor me, and to honor the holy means to bring that which God has cleansed and give it back to him, gift it back to him because we have nothing to give him except what he's given us. I mean, we see that in, in, in John's revelation where he said, I, I've seen what the end of the world looks like and I've seen how things are going right now in, in God's kingdom, that thing called heaven. And, and there are people around him that have been awarded for their life here on earth and are wearing crowns. And what do they do with those holy crowns? It says they cast them before his feet and say, oh, holy, holy, holy. So other you are that you get the best. And what you've given me is the best, and I'm giving it back to you, and it is without any kind of profanity attached to it. It is clean, it is pure, and he said here on earth, if you're going to worship me, bring me your worship that is unadulterated, and you're not hiding things from me. Don't show up and say, oh, I worship you, and now I'm going to go sin. Hallelujah. You know what you're hiding. You say, well, how can I come worship him, and, 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 and I'm not perfect. I'm not telling you perfection. I'm talking you, to you about honesty and transparency and authenticity. Say, God, I'm struggling. He goes, I know, I'm helping you here. Oh, God, I love you. And deep down, you're saying, yeah, but I love this stuff better. So what do I have to bring him? Paul makes it pretty clear. He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Give your bodies to him. Because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, a holy sacrifice set apart, the kind he'll find acceptable. And this is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Did you just see that in that, that, that passage? Did you see it? Body, mind, your will submitted to his will? He said, you need to offer that to me. You need to bring that to me and let me take care of you. Let me cleanse you. It's what the soul wants to do. And so it brings us, because you notice the title on this series is Blessing and what? Cursing. You say, you're not gonna talk about curses. Well, here's the deal. I'm either blessing God or cursing him at every moment. So if I'm blessing him, the great thing about it is that I'm not blessing him to get blessed back, but it just happens. And if I'm cursing him by not blessing him, then the cursing comes back my way. Several years ago, here in Erie, Pennsylvania, there was a really uh, public, public divorce that took place. 
And, and, and it was in the newspapers, and, and you would have read about it. And, and the wife had, the, the wife had a, a really expensive diamond ring, and the diamond supposedly was worth $21 million, and it was given to her at their engagement. And it really would represent the value that he had for his bride-to-be, and that she wore it all the days of their marriage. And now they're getting divorced. She took it into a jeweler and had it, had it appraised, and they said to her, uh, this is not worth $21 million. I mean, 21000 I'm sorry, 21000 He said, this is really not even a diamond. This is a cubic zirconium. I can just imagine the fire coming off that woman would have made Satan run for a fan. <laughs> that, had, that, that, that turned from love to cursing pretty quick. We have come to bless Jesus with the genuine thing because he hates fakes. You say, how do you know that? Well, listen to what he says. Listen, you priests, this command is for you. Listen to me and make up your minds to honor my name, says the Lord of heaven's armies, or I will bring a terrible curse against you. I will curse even the blessings you have received. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you have not taken my warning to heart, and I will punish your descendants and splatter your faces with the manure from your fest- festival sacrifices, and I will throw you on the manure pile. <laughs> I think God's serious here. (laughs) Then at last you will know it was I who sent you this warning so that my covenant with the Levites can continue, says the Lord. I wish I'd have known the scripture when I was raising my kids because I'd have used it. I I would have said, I'm going to throw you on the manure pile. You keep this up. I think that would have been great. (laughs) Says the Lord of heaven's armies. Look, pretend blessings bring real cursings. And this is not a pretty sight. Because they would bring these sacrifices, and then they would go in, and they would just gut out the sacrifice. And they would pile it up, and then they would take, because they wouldn't, they wouldn't burn that. They wouldn't honor that. That was unclean. And they would take it outside the camp, because anything unholy goes outside the camp, which is the presence of God. There it would be burned up. He said, your worship is so false. Your heart is not in this. Your mind is not in this. Your body's not into this. You haven't paid attention to what I'm telling your soul. And as a result of that, what I'm going to do now, because you have not focused on me and you're pretending to worship me, I'm going to take that stuff that is normally burned outside the camp and I'm going to rub your face in it and then I'm going to take you out and put you outside the camp, outside my favor. That's tough stuff. You say, well, he doesn't do that today. Here's what he does. We're in, a, we're in a, this wonderful time of grace, but, but the principle still holds that when we don't worship him as we should, we end up outside his favor. And what that brings to us is this. We will feel lost. Like, like we're uncharted. We're not sure what to do. We will, we will feel disintegrated that, that all of this is not in operation together. We will feel unprotected. I've been there. I've been in a spot where, where the soul was telling me to do one thing and my will was doing another. And one night I awakened and Pam and I were, were in, our, in our bedroom and suddenly there was an evil presence and we got up and asked God, protect us. And God said to me, this is happening because my protection is not on you because you have not honored me. And I know some folks who, who were having issues in a marriage and, and they knew what to do and they were ignoring God and their, their will was running away from what the soul was telling them. And, and one night the daughter came to the door and knocked on the door and said, I don't know what's going on, but there's an evil man standing outside your door. And she was seeing a vision. That's what happens when we move outside the camp. We move outside his favor. You will become discontented. You will try everything else to fill what's inside of you, but you're not going to fill up anything here until the soul gets you in the right direction. Now, the opposite is just wonderful because he said, when you bless me, here's what happens. When your soul leads your mind, body, and will in blessing God, we end up with God's will. And that's a great thing. Because he says, here's how he describes God's will for you. That which is good, which is actually beneficial or what you need right now. What is it you need? He said, it's good, I got it. That which is good, that which is pleasing, which means acceptable or means the stuff I wanted. Not only would he give you what you needed, he said, I'm gonna give you even what you wanted. And that which is perfect, 
which really means that it was created just specifically for you. It was custom made for you, like a father who knows his child perfectly and says, I'm gonna pour out on you specifically that which you want, what you need, and it's gonna customize, be customized just for you perfectly because of the way you are. I love you, you love me, and that's the nature of our relationship. So recently, Pam went to Colorado to visit our daughter who is great with child and will be giving birth to our third grandchild in a couple of weeks. And so Pam was there helping her and taking care of our grandchild, Xander, who's about a little over 20, 24 months. And, and so while they were there, um, I, I, I get this, this FaceTime call. And I think we have a picture of him and with Christy and, and Pam. So that's Xander. So I, I, I turn on the phone on FaceTime, and, and for you that are older and don't know what FaceTime is, it's like TV on your phone. So just helping you out there. So I'm looking, and there's Xander. And he goes, Baba! And I always say this to him, Xander! Papa! Xander! Baba! Now we can do this forever. Xander! And we both giggle. <laughs> and then I said, what did you do today? And he tells me what he does in a language I have no idea what it is, but it's, he's just talking to me. He's just telling me. Really? And every once in a while I understand a word. And a truck. Oh, he saw a truck. Yeah. And, and then... And then he's eating food. He's sitting at, a, at, at his chair, and so he has food, and he holds it right up to the screen like, here, taste this. This is so good. So I reach down, and he sees my mouth. He says, this is too much information. It's just great, though. And then, and then, he, then he does the monkey thing. I showed him how to make a monkey face. You say, show me. I'm not going to do it, but I show him. And so he does it, and I do it back to him. I, I teach him things. I do. And then, and then we always end with this. Do you know how much I love you? And I'll either do this, this or this. And I just smile. I hang up and I just smile. I want to tell you that God eagerly awaits our call. And our soul is ready to FaceTime him. He loves it when you call and go, Papa, he loves it. He said, that's why I gave you the Holy Spirit, so that you could cry out, Papa, Abba. He goes, say, how's your day? Oh, here's how my day is going. I was sitting in class, and, 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 and he goes, yeah. And, and you're just telling him, and, and he's just holding you and, and surrounding you, and, 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 and you want to tell him about life. And he teaches us. And he loves it when you say to him, do you know how much I love you? Do you really know how much I love you? So can we do this? Can we, can we tell our souls? Can we say to our souls, hey, make the call. Go ahead. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his Holy name, that name that goes beyond anything you've ever seen. Bless him. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and, and forget not his benefits. And I'm going to list them. And I'm going to come to him authentic and real because he knows how broken down I am and he loves to fix me, but he doesn't do it because I'm only as sick as my secrets. And if I tell him, he goes, I can, I can help you here because I love you. Our soul is created to bless. I'm going to invite the band to come up. Our soul is created to bless. And if we're not blessing, we're cursing. And so I want to invite you in just a moment. I'm going to invite them to come back and, and lead us in one more song. And, and would you take some time to just bless him? This song is great for that because it helps us list those things. And would you make it a point this week 
to make this gathering sacred from now on and whatever gatherings you've set aside for him and would you make your words sacred and would you come prepared to worship him and to love him and care for him and, and to bless him because that's really what he wants. Would you stand? So they're gonna sing through this, this, this song once and I'm gonna come back up and dismiss this in prayer. But I, th I thank you for being here and, and I'm, just, I'm just really pumped about the idea of us blessing God and loving him even more so than we have in the past and to see what he does in response because as we bless him, we get the overflow of the blessing right back at us. So Kate and Kat and anybody else whose name starts with K, come and lead us in worship.
so, so would you right now, I know you've been singing, would you just join with me? There's so many, so many expressions in the Psalms on how we say we praise him, and some of that is with a loud voice and some of it with the clapping of the hands. And I'd like us to do both of those things with all our strength to tell God how very much we adore him and we bless him today. Would you join me? to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be blessing and glory and honor and power forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.